Welcome to HealthCast. I'm your host, Adam Patterson. We are joined today by Dr. Joel Schulten, who is the National Director of the Veterans Affairs Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation Service, or the PMRS. The PMRS is responsible for overseeing a range of medical services designed to help veterans overcome conditions that produce unique challenges in their daily life, such as spinal cord injuries and the loss of the limb. The PMRS can also help veterans manage psychological and neurological conditions as well. One of the most critical care areas within this umbrella of treatment is traumatic brain injury, or TBI, a condition that results from serious cranial trauma that can leave behind a complex array of after effects, such as depression, memory loss, or emotional volatility. Dr. Schulten has been responsible for helping oversee new research into the treatment of such a complex condition, as well as VA's efforts to apply these to help veterans manage and recover from TBI. Joel, welcome to the program. Great to have you. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate you uh, inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to start off with a question about yourself, uh, and that is what research areas and background brought you to your current role as the director of VA's Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation Service? So I was, uh, I, I went to medical school, actually grew up in South Dakota and went to the University of South Dakota Medical School and um, was always very interested in rehabilitation, partly because of some uh, challenges that my family members had experienced, including severe brain injury. And that uh, led me to the field of rehabilitation and uh, loved the fact that in, in rehab, we're, we were able to focus on the unique individual's needs and then kind of develop a treatment plan and form the team around the individual. So I really, really, um, the team approach really resonated with me and uh, seemed like a great, I guess, home for me within the field of medicine. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's one with a lot of impact, especially for veterans' lives, because from my understanding, TBI is a pretty complex condition and kind of a multivariable one. And as a bit of overview for our listeners, I'm curious, what are some of the more common symptoms of traumatic brain injury, especially over, say, the longer term? And what tends to cause these kinds of traumatic injuries to the brain? And typically, how are they diagnosed? So traumatic brain injury can cause a number of impairments or symptoms. And when we think of, when we look at traumatic brain injury, it's kind of graded on a severity of, of how the individual presents at the time of injury. So there can be severe traumatic brain injury where someone loses consciousness for potentially an extended period of time and actually has on MRI or CAT scan visible signs that part of the brain was damaged. And so with severe traumatic brain injury, individuals can present like they've had a, a stroke, they may have you know, weakness on one side of their body, uh, they may have uh, very profound cognitive deficits and just a variety of impairments. What much more commonly is mild traumatic brain injury, of which concussion would be an example of mild traumatic brain injury. And that is when someone has a, a TBI that has a, either a brief, very brief loss of consciousness or short duration of altered consciousness, feeling kind of dazed or confused for a few seconds to minutes. And the symptoms that are, are common after mild traumatic brain injury are more along, along the lines of headache, confusion, impaired concentration, irritability, what are all classified as nonspecific symptoms, meaning 
there's no one symptom that ha happens only after a traumatic brain injury. They're more nonspecific symptoms that, that you know, a good percentage of the general population experience on a day-to-day -day basis. So that makes it, but that makes it challenging because there's, you know, the possibility that you're experiencing some of these symptoms just because of, you know, day-to-day -day life. And, but in a constellation uh, after mild TBI, they can be uh, very problematic and certainly affect or impact your ability to participate in, in the community, whether it's affecting your, your work or your family relationships or your ability to, you know, function independently. Definitely. And I think for a lot of Americans, when they hear of TBI and discussion of TBI, they tend to think of contact sports, you know, uh, football players who have repeated, you know, traumatic brain injuries. And I'm curious, in terms of the veteran population, how frequent are incidents of, I guess you could say, more clinically severe TBI among America's veterans, as opposed to, say, the general population? Well, we don't necessarily have a direct head-to-head -head comparison of veterans versus the general population. In, for the general population, traumatic brain injury occurs more commonly in two kind of age ranges. One is the more younger, active adolescence to early adulthood, and it's much more common with young adult males to experience a traumatic brain injury compared to females. And then there's also the, an older cohort of individuals that are more likely to sustain a fall in the kind of beginning of the into the geriatric phase. So we call this a bimodal distribution of uh, incidents of traumatic brain injury. So that's in the general population. On the military population, because the, particularly in a deployed setting, you are in a, um, a more uh, high risk area and you're doing more physical activities and and particularly when you're deployed to a war zone, you are much more likely to experience a traumatic event. That, that certainly increases the risk or the potential that you'll be exposed to a concussive event or a traumatic event. Uh, so we don't necessarily have a direct head-to-head -head comparison, but we do know that in, in a deployed setting, blast exposure is the most common cause of traumatic brain injury or, or or mild, particularly mild traumatic brain injury. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You're dealing with particular uh, risks that are likely to be more common or, or more incidental. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. And from my understanding, in terms of, of how you care for veterans with TBI, this occurs through, if I'm getting the phrase correct, the polytrauma system of care kind of network model. And I'm curious, when was this founded and what methods do you use at the, the PSC to identify or, or diagnose a veteran's TBI? That's a great question. So the Polytrauma System of Care was founded in 2005, and it was essentially founded with legislative authority. So we that, that system of care was stood up within VA in, in 2005, following the, the start of the conflicts in Afghanistan and Iraq. The VA has historically provided rehabilitation for the Department of Defense. And so since since um, after September 11th of 2001, returning service members coming back from deployment with severe traumatic brain injury were kind of stabilized in the military healthcare system and then transferred to one of the VA polytrauma rehabilitation centers, or I'm sorry, at that point they were, you know, main TBI lead centers. 
And uh, then with the legislative authority, we transitioned to polytrauma because of calling up the polytrauma system of care because we were seeing individuals which with not only severe traumatic brain injuries, but other multiple other comorbid injuries, including fractures, burns, amputations, and then certainly the kind of psychological trauma of being in a deployed setting and, and being injured and you know transferring across the you know, essentially halfway across the world. So initially, the, the system of care was set up to focus on those very severe injuries, the very visible injuries of war. But we soon, soon came to realize that there was a, a large number of individuals that were coming back that had been exposed to significant uh, trauma or blast and had, um, had sustained a concussion or multiple concussive events and we're experiencing ongoing symptoms and having problems or challenges reintegrating back into kind of civilian uh, civilian lifestyles essentially after being deployed and you know likely a combination of um, a history of concussion as well as maybe post traumatic stress or depression or anxiety or a number of other issues and so so the, the polytrauma system of care initially kind of focused on those visible severe injuries and then added on kind of a screening component for mild, more mild traumatic brain injury to focus on those nonspecific type symptoms. That system of care then evolved to include all of the VA medical centers across the country. So we have more than 100 specialized teams focused on uh, traumatic brain injury care around the country. And uh, VA screens every service member that separated after September 11th of 2001 for a possible traumatic brain injury. Di TBI diagnosis is made by history and physical. So a thorough um, discussion with the veteran or service member about the traumatic event and did they sustain either loss of consciousness or alteration of consciousness at the time of the trauma. And then um, that, that helps, that's what determines the diagnosis. And then you start to focus on or discuss current symptoms and you build the treatment plan around the, the current symptoms. So it's really an individualized approach based on what the, what the veteran or service member is currently experiencing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it sounds like it would be really effective because it sounds like particular to the veteran experience, incidents that produce TBI are also incidents of, of frankly, shock and violence, you know, explosions firefights, things like that, that tend to produce both, obviously, as you mentioned, both physical, but also psychological trauma and determining, you know, what, what is the cause and the origin, I'd imagine is essential to the clinical process, which kind of brings me to, to my next question about the PSC. And it looks like if I'm getting correctly, there are four components of the broader PSC model that go into providing this kind of comprehensive care and treatment and management of TBI. Could you potentially give kind of a breakdown of what those are and how those work in concert? Sure. So the, the four levels, the, the first level is the Polytrauma Rehab Center. So we have five centers that have uh, TBI expertise in, in delivering inpatient TBI rehabilitation. So that's, a, you know, those are very tertiary centers that are receiving veterans from either, you know, Walter Reed or from San Antonio after they're, you know, stabilized uh, coming from overseas and then are uh, providing that inpatient rehabilitation care. So, and, and then the second tier of care is the polytrauma network site. So within each of VA's regions or visions, 
We have a lead site that will help to coordinate care, educational needs, and um, seamlessly connect veterans to available TBI resources within that region. So one team kind of takes the lead. They also have uh, additional inpatient rehabilitation capabilities. They may not have a, a specialized inpatient TBI designation, but we wanted to make sure we always had kind of overflow capability uh, because at the onset, um, we were seeing a, a large number of very severely injured coming back. Unfortunately, we didn't need to kind of utilize that overflow capacity, but we wanted to make sure it was there. Then within each region, um, almost all of the major VA medical centers have a TBI team that will not only assess and diagnose individual veterans for possible traumatic brain injury, but then develop that comprehensive individualized plan that I mentioned earlier. So that's, those are called polytrauma support clinic teams. And there are nearly 100 of those across the, the system. And then uh, the fourth tier is a, our point of contact site. So every, every VA medical center that doesn't have a fully designated TBI team at least has a point of contact who will help connect veterans with any TBI-related needs to their closest VA medical, the next closest VA medical center, or help to organize care in the community. Most of those sites also have at least some of the team members, but they may not have the whole, you know, kind of dedicated TBI team. So we utilize them to kind of connect and, and bridge across our system of care. And then with the, you know, certainly in the last two years, we've been heavily relying on telehealth or virtual care. We've actually been using, utilizing virtual TBI care since 2012. But we've really stepped up the utilization of that with the pandemic as a way to connect and deliver those services that are appropriate through virtual care to veterans, you know, across the system as well as into their homes because we have the ability to, you know, connect very easily with what's called VA Video Connect, where I can see a patient in their home and uh, either to do an evaluation or even a follow-up visit, and it also lets me kind of see their environment. Uh, discuss their treatment plan and kind of help to further customize the, the treatment plan to maximize their impact of, of care delivery in the home setting. Definitely. And that sounds like a really comprehensive and thorough approach that I, I'd imagine really helps, again, foster that, that particularized uh, and personal approach to TBI treatment and care that it sounds like you really focus on at VA. And something I'm wondering as kind of an adjunct to that is that VA clearly engages in a significant and broad-reaching scope of medical research and healthcare research nationally. And it also sounds like from what you'd mentioned, VA has also collaborated with other federal agencies that have engaged in TBI care and research. And that brings me to my question about, if I'm getting the name correct, it's the TBI Model Systems Program. And I'm curious if you could uh, kind of fill us in about what the TBI Model Systems Program is and how has VA in a broader sense uh, collaborated with other agencies to better understand uh, the pathology of TBI, but also how to, again, best provide care? Sure. So the TBI Model Systems were um, initiated by the, actually by the Department of Education back in the 80s to identify 16 of kind of the premier academic private sector TBI rehabilitation programs. And then they developed a longitudinal database. So they started to 
monitor individuals after kind of sustaining a severe traumatic brain injury, being admitted to an inpatient TBI rehabilitation program, and then tracking their outcomes over time. So some individuals have actually been monitored for over 30 years. And this is just a wealth of information from this data source because you know, we want to study the impact of what we're doing at the time of injury and how that may relate to kind of long-term functioning over time. Uh, the VA joined forces with those 16 um, model system sites back in 2009. And so our five polytrauma rehab centers, though that tier one level of the polytrauma system of care, those five sites became partners with the model systems and we've developed a parallel longitudinal database. So we are collecting the same um, outcome metrics as the model systems and then tracking veterans over time. And we, it allows us to compare the differences in kind of the veteran versus the civilian cohort in regards to their injury characteristics as well as their outcomes over time. And so it's been a really fascinating uh, look at, at those veteran-specific differences, and it's allowed us to change not only our care delivery, but also our policies within VA to become really more veterans-focused on specific TBI needs. Yeah, that's really interesting. And speaking of kind of the particular of veteran TBI needs, I'm curious as, as a broader question and to kind of wrap this all up, how is VA's TBI research and treatment programs being used to support uh, the broader mental health programs and suicide prevention initiatives that VA is, is really working on, on mobilizing and bringing forward? Because it sounds like, you know, incidents of depression, anxiety, emotional volatility, and of, and of even suicidal ideation are all comorbidities of TBI. Right, exactly right. And that's one of the, one of the early findings that we noted in the difference between veteran and the civilian sector was that much higher prevalence of mental health comorbid diagnoses. And so that has allowed us to kind of focus on not only the, the symptom, the diagnosis, but also the symptom burden and then ongoing management. So we have increased the number of mental health providers that are engaged in our teams. We have focused on um, making sure our policy promotes integration of mental health care into the rehab treatment teams, not only in the inpatient rehab setting, but also in the outpatient setting. Because again, those, those symptoms, those nonspecific symptoms are likely, um, they may be due to the history of the, the TBI, but they may also be due to the ongoing you know, symptoms of PTSD or depression. And so it's really, really important that the entire team work together and communicate together along with the veterans so that we can kind of keep moving forward and focusing on maximizing independence, maximizing the Im impact of the care that's being delivered. And so you don't wanna deliver care in a silo, you really want it to be delivered comprehensively with the veteran at the center to, so to make sure you're eliminating any barriers, um, any hurdles, and really focusing on, on overall function and independence. So that's really been um, the major, I think, one of the major impacts in our study findings, I'm sorry, and impacts on our, our care delivery is that kind of comorbid mental health piece. We've also determined or also found that there, there's a higher rate of rehospitalization in that first year following injury. So we're looking at how to proactively 
coordinate care delivery so we can identify when veterans are kind of moving into a particular time of stress or need so that we can try to intervene and then try to uh, minimize or eliminate those potentially unnecessary hospitalizations. You know, and it sounds like it all really comes down to the final goal, which is to make people better, you know, to really help them, you know, obviously reacclimate to civilian life, but to really help them you know, manage or overcome what is a clearly a complicated and oftentimes very difficult condition. Um, you know, uh, before we wrap up, uh, Joel, I want to ask uh, kind of going forward, is there anything uh, you would like our audience to know about a VA's uh, TBI research or any possible future uh, research initiatives uh, on the horizon people should uh, look out for? I think just uh, we, uh, we continually co continue to collaborate with the TBI model systems, which gives us this remarkable opportunity to kind of partner our research efforts and our educational efforts with the, you know, you know, the best in the United States and really around the world in TBI care. And so we have worked with the, the model systems with their knowledge translation center. So they are kind of looking at information coming out of these longitudinal databases and assessments and then providing education to not only, not only individuals with traumatic brain injury and their caregivers, but also the clinical partners or clinical um, clinicians across the country. So we have, we, we have a, um, uh, a major collaboration with the knowledge, the knowledge Translation Center. So check out the TBI Model Systems Knowledge Translation Center. We also have uh, specific DOD and VA longitudinal databases. So looking at long-term effects of traumatic brain injury through a study called Limbic, which again is you know, DA, DOD and VA working to study those long-term effects. And so if you go to the Limbic Knowledge Translation Center, there's a wealth of information about emerging findings that are veteran-specific from uh, military-related TBI. Definitely. It all sounds incredibly promising and incredibly necessary work at that. Uh, again, Joel, just want to thank you for coming onto the program. All right. Thanks, Adam. Take care. HealthCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentciomedia.com slash podcasts. HealthCast is produced by Amy Kluber, hosted by Melissa Harris and Adam Patterson. If you liked what you heard, let us know by leaving a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.